Good morning. Time for the farm show here at the Shank of the Day on Wax 104.5. As Jill and Krista and myself, Bob Bosol, bring you the news in agriculture around the area, around Wisconsin, around the nation, and around the world as part of the Midwest Farm Report family. We've got markets, 13 first alert weather. We'll look at all kinds of calendar items and what's going on in the world of agriculture. Again, it's time for the farm show on Wax 104.5. It's back to winter. If you look out the window this morning, you'll see that it is white out there. And if you look out the windshield, you'll see it's uh, also white on the roadways. Although the plows are out doing a pretty good job, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. The interstate was all cleared off. Um, of course, it wasn't cleared off where I live because it's, you know, well, back on the back 40. The plows haven't found that road yet. They've been looking for 20 or 30 years, but uh, eventually it'll melt off. But again, let the plows do their work. It's pretty well done snowing or spitting or whatever it's doing out there. I'd say we got about three inches around here. That's what I have to. All right. So about three inches of snow and moving off and then it'll be, well, we should see some sun later on. But again, some winds picking up as we go through the day today. And highs, it's going to cool off. Now it's going to start feeling a little bit like February, not full-blown February. But again, we'll be in the 20s for highs the next couple of days and uh, kind of cold overnight. 16 overnight tonight, 11 tomorrow night. And in the 30s, but next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, upper 40s again. That's I'm okay with that. Yeah, so the cattle and everybody else. How close are you getting to calving now? We're getting to the end of February, March. You got some building, so how I've, when are your calves going to start coming? I've got the first one in the shed. She's waiting. Her name is Nellie, and she's a lady in waiting. Oh boy! So how many we got to calve this year? Fifty-two. But so, there'll be 53 calves because we're going to have a set of twins. Oh boy! So what? Uh, every year you use one letter. To name your calves, so you know which year they were born. What's the letter this year? M. M. So if anybody's got any ideas about <laughs> M's for naming calves, send it to Jill. <laughs> <laughs> What's your email? Farm at MidwestFamilyEC.com. All right. So I can imagine there'll be some creative people with an idea of M's out there. So, again, it's uh, getting to be that time of the year. Some of those early calves where we've got the proper facilities are starting to hit the ground, or at least they will here the 1st of March, pretty much. But, uh, again, there are some, as Jill said, some ladies in waiting. Well, the uh, Census of Agriculture is out, the 2022 Census, and uh, very interesting. We'll look at some of those numbers. You could pour over the, I don't know if you saw the raw data yet, but you can pour over some of those numbers, uh, and some of them are, they're fun to look at, but they're also uh, kind of alarming. Looking at uh, the livestock industry, and uh, as far as uh, the dairy industry, as far as dairy farms, in the, 19, in the 2022 Census of Agriculture, 6,216 dairy farms. Now, if you're Iowa or somebody like that, oh, that's a lot of farms, but... 2017 census, 9,037. In 2012, 11,543. And uh, going back to the 1997 census of agriculture, 24,065 dairy farms in Wisconsin. Now, one quarter of that. We're down to 6,000 dairy farms. 
And uh, cattle numbers, as far as dairy is concerned, really hasn't changed. Back in 2017, 1.28 million. And as far as the 2022 census, 1.264. So the cattle numbers haven't gone down like the actual number of dairy farms. And you see that for most all kinds of uh, livestock. Not a whole lot of change. Beef farms, as far as uh, the numbers are concerned, as far as the actual beef farms, 12,971 in 2022 and the uh, 2017 census, 13,954. So, again, not a lot of change there. And the cow numbers really haven't changed either. Gone down a little bit, uh, 287,000 head in 2017, 284,000 head in the 2022 census. So you can break this thing down and take a look at all kinds of numbers. We'll look at some of these other numbers as we go along. I mean, this covers everything. How many irrigated acres we have, and it's uh, just a, an interesting uh, look. And you can go online and just Google Census of Agriculture, and then uh, it'll come up, and then you can Google the individual states as we uh, take a look at it. Also, we've got an update on the dicamba. Were you a, did you have your farm in operation in 2017? Your beef operation? Yeah, okay. yeah. Did you uh, did you fill out the census of agriculture form? They didn't send one to you, or did they? Uh, yeah, I, I filled one out. Good, yeah, because this is the only way that uh, we can get that information for actual policy. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack took a look at the census of agriculture, and Vilsack said America, especially our rural communities, cannot afford this trajectory towards larger but fewer farms in this country. So again, there is concern out there. So again, the census of agriculture is a pretty good read. It's kind of fun to compare those numbers from where we were to where we are, and it's not always what we like. Also, a decision that, uh, well, the merger, you know, consolidation in agriculture includes agribusiness, and we'll talk about a company that we're very familiar with around here that got bought out last year, and already the new owners are talking about shutting part of it down. We'll explain uh, what that's all about as we go along as well. And as we said, that dicamba issue, dicamba over the top for soybeans and cotton. Obviously, we don't care much about it for cotton, but we do for soybeans. And uh, it comes from uh, three companies, BASF, Bayer, and Syngenta. And that's uh, Ingenia, Extendamax, and uh, Tavium, those products. Remember, a week or so ago, a judge in Arizona vacated the label. Well, there have been some action taken, and uh, we'll explain what that's all about. If you have already acted as far as your dicamba is concerned for your soybeans, and uh, again, it's not, uh, not all soybeans, just those that use over-the-top dicamba in their soybeans. So, uh, again... Lots of things going on. And, of course, uh, getting close to the weekend, uh, FFA on the air. Jill, who's going to be on the air this Saturday morning? It's Blair Taylor. Now, you were telling me that they've got a lot of things going on down there with SAEs and proficiencies. Yeah, she's. Uh, it's Greta Munson. She's helping fill out 13 proficiency awards at the state good. level. Wow, good for her. And um, throughout the conversation, I believe there's right around 82... Uh, students in the FFA, and 60 of them sold fruit. 
So the participation is really there. Oh, that's good. And you're going down to be with the FFA. Is that this weekend you're heading south? Yeah, I'm going to go down. It's National FFA. Actually, National FFA week starts on Saturday officially. And I'm going down on Sunday and going to participate on Monday with FFA Day on the Hill. All right. And a lot of FFA members are going to be down there. Mm -hmm. How many chapters about? I think there was supposed to be 42 chapters. Oh, well over 200 kids are going to be there. Oh, that's good. And uh, that's one thing that's going up in agriculture in Wisconsin, FFA membership. Absolutely. We're well over uh, 25,000 this year. Good stuff. With a goal of, I think, getting to 26, 28,000. All right. Good stuff. As far as uh, FFA getting to the Capitol, talking to state legislators. So we got a lot to talk about. We'll expand more on that. Also, uh, coming up this morning, we're going to hear about uh, the Marble Seed Conference. And that, of course, the organic conference here in Wisconsin. And um, just trying to think what it used what would organic, no, what, not organic valley, what they used to be called before they were marble seed over in Spring Valley. Uh, they've always been marble seed to me, so yeah, I don't no, know. They were, but that's uh, in the days before they were marble seed or something else, but we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. But that conference is coming up as well. Lots going on. Jill looked it up. Moses, the Midwest Organic Sustainable something or other. Education service. All right, education service. That's what uh, marble seed used to be over there in, in Spring Valley. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. It's Thursday already, and that means for the sale barns around the area that have sales on Thursday, it's the last trading day of the week at the sale barns. Let's get the numbers so far. Jill, let's start with the cash livestock. Choice fed beef steers are 170 to 178 with mixed steers 155 to 169. Choice fed beef heifers are 170 to 177 with mixed heifers 119 to 169. Finished dairy cross steers and heifers are 152 to 176, with choice fed Holstein steers 150 to 158, and select and silage fed steers 130 to 149. Cows are 79 to 105 with a top of 130. Bulls are 115 to 126. Butcher hogs are 50 to 75, with sows at 34 to 54, and boars at 12 to 19. Shorn market lambs are 170 to 225. Feeder lambs are 150 to 340 and ewes are 80 to 130. Small goats are 25 to 130 dollars. Medium goats are 160 to 190 dollars. Large goats are 160 to 410 dollars. With nanny goats at 30 to 260 dollars. At the Mercantile Exchange yesterday, at the close of trading, cattle prices were lower across the board. Hog prices were higher. February live cattle 182.40. That's down a dollar 35. April live cattle down a dollar 10 at 184 even. June 181.12. That's down a dollar 42. And August live cattle down a dollar 72 at 179.85. Feeder cattle for March down 177 at the close. 246.22 the final number. April feeder cattle down 215 at 249.60. May down two and a half. At 252.95, August down 262 at 266.52, and September feeder cattle down 262 at 268.37. And in the hog trading, we had higher prices. February hog 75.17, that was up 95. April at 84.52, up 345. May at 88.50, up 252. And June at 96.77, that was up 
1-800-227-8207. Board of Trade was lower yesterday. Still repercussions from that uh, bearish USDA report last week and also better weather in South America. Overnight, March corn down a fraction from the close yesterday of about a nickel lower. 423 this morning for corn. Oats unchanged 382. The wheat down a nickel at 580. And the soybeans for March down three cents, eleven sixty-seven. Just a couple of days ago, that was eleven ninety. Meal down, or meal up twenty cents for the March contract, three forty-three fifty a ton. Not good on the dairy market yesterday. Barrel cheese down two and a half, one fifty-seven and a half. Blocks down seven cents a pound, one fifty-one and a half. And uh, again, that's a, an, an inverted relationship between blocks and barrels. If there is such a thing nowadays with the way the trade goes, butter up a half a cent at two seventy one and three quarters. February class three down three at sixteen sixteen. March down forty one, seventeen oh two. April down thirty seven at seventeen thirty. May down twenty six at seventeen sixty six. June down fifteen at eighteen oh seven. There certainly seems to be a trend that uh, the Monday trading on class three usually goes higher. And then the rest of the week, it's usually down or a real struggle to get there. Beef industry has been busy having some meetings. You went to a session the other night, right? What was that all about? I went up to a beef meeting up in Menominee, mm-hmm. put on by Synergy, and we talked about the proteins and we talked about numbers and found out numbers aren't as good as what we'd hoped for them to be. But oh, that is for we sure. We are definitely not rebuilding yet. No, that herd isn't, isn't growing yet. But uh, we'll get that information. And who'd you talk to? I talked to uh, Gary Schmidt. He is the treasurer for the Wisconsin Cattlemen's Association. And they are part of lobbying in favor of beef policies and taking care of the beef herd and taking care of our farmers. All right. So we'll hear more about that, what uh, he had to tell Jill. It always seems like there's so many advocates out there, whether you're producing beef or pigs or even poultry. If I caught up with Gary Schmidt, he's treasurer for the Wisconsin Cattlemen's Association. What are you working on? Right now, our biggest legislation push for the cattlemen's is dealing with the rules that are coming down from USDA on traceability to the wolf issue in this state. That's what we do with the legislative arm for the cattlemen in the state. We've got our own lobbyist who does a, an excellent job for us. She gives us a heads up on what's coming. We put it out to our members. We fight to, to make sure it happens the way that, that cattle producers want it to happen. Well, I'm going to swirl you back to the traceability. What are you hearing from the masses and what is that going to look like? Right now the USDA is going to publish a rule probably June of this year as a follow-up to the 2013 rule that they put out, which was voluntary, about having any animal that moves throughout the country should be ba- should be able to trace it back to point of origin. Basically what they're doing now is they're updating that to, to make it a digital format. We do it on the dairy side with the 804 tag, or 840 tags and... We need to do it on the beef side. We need to do it with all animals. Really, when you look at what one case of foot and mouth can can shut down our whole industry, a week's worth of non-movement of any animal causes problems throughout the whole supply chain. So um, what they approved policy that was a little bit more curtailed than the language than what the USDA put out. By 2025, that's going to be implemented. And right now, it's only in regards to animals that are 18 months of age or older, sexually intact. But it also does include show. What the USDA originally put out was all animals by 2026. 
the technology is good. It's just not there from a mass scale production. As far as any of your local sale barns, there's no way they can read cattle accurately and fast enough coming off the shoot, you know, coming through the barns. So Equity and Superior have done some testing on some of the different units, and the accuracy rating was was pathetic. You know, as far as what they were reading, as as far as tags go, we know it's coming. And worldwide, we're probably the the lagging indicator as far as traceability on on any animal herd goes. Our goal is to get ahead of it. Right now, in the appropriations budget, this continuing CR that they're going to put out, USDA's got about $10 million for that program. And just with what the the rule that they're publishing, they're anticipating costing beef producers about $26 million. Some of the language that NCBA approved was they can't implement until they fund it. Right now, that's what we're working on is we want to make sure that if it's going to be a cost to the producer, either that cost has to be spread out among the whole supply chain in beef production or the government's got to figure out a way to pay for it. Well, that's always good to hear that they're keeping up with things. And that was Gary Schmidt. He's the treasurer for the Wisconsin Cattlemen's Association. And I'd like to mention that they, the Wisconsin Cattlemen's Association is having their winter conference it's in Mauston, and that's coming up this weekend on the 17th. It'll be at the Lodge in Mauston. Registration starts at 9, with the speaker starting at 10 o'clock. And there's a real big push to get more participation because the more you have to say, the more uh, the policies can be taken care of for you. So that's uh, going to be their annual meeting. What's the date? On the 17th, so Saturday. All right, so At that's the Lodge coming. in Boston. All right, so uh, that's uh, coming up. Good winter meeting still ahead. Also still ahead, the Marble Seed Conference. Organic producers, the largest organic conference in the country, is always down in La Crosse, and that's put on by the Marble Seed Organization. We'll get an update on that as we go forward this morning. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. About 1,800 organic farmers and people interested in organics are getting together starting February 22nd in La Crosse for the annual Organic Farming Conference. The event is celebrating its 35th anniversary. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. Marble Seed, formerly known as Moses, is hosting the conference. Executive Director Lori Stern says the fact that Wisconsin does host the largest organic gathering in the nation is a testament to the state's vibrant industry. Yeah, I think that a lot of people don't realize that we are actually second in the country for organic farms, Um, second to California, which is a lot bigger than we are. So I think it really does speak to the leadership that we take uh, in the Midwest here and in Wisconsin specifically, particularly in the Driftless region, in leading in organic, which is really exciting. And it's something that I always have to remind myself when I go to other places around the country and I can't help but, you know, go to, oh, there's a farmer's market here or there. And I'm always surprised at how few organic vendors there are. And then, oh, yeah, that's right. It's because I get to live where organic is so prevalent, which is really great. What are the key themes that this year's organic conference is going to pick up? Well, I think we really wanted to lean into kind of the the then and now because it's 35 years and how a lot of the issues then when the organic label that we all have become so familiar with first became a national standard, that little green and white USDA organic. Back then, in 30, in 30, 35 years ago, farmers were really wondering, well, how do I certify? What are the standards? And those, those interests are still with us today. And we are now kind of facing huge 
consumer demand for organic. And what does that mean for us as kind of small to medium-sized farms, which continue to be who's in the marble seed community? Are the smaller farmers, the more local farmers? What does that mean in the face of kind of this rising consumer demand and our own success? So this kind of idea that we're, you know, still very deeply connected to those beginning organic farmers and then looking forward to where is our food and going to come from in the future and what is our farming system going to look like in the future. So we have the the theme this year is Roots to Rhizomes. So just kind of that thinking about how deeply connected and important soil is to organic agriculture and building healthy soils and building those connections and the microbiome of the soil and the connection between farmers and eaters and researchers and all of that. And that happens in the convening in La Crosse. Remind us of the dates of the meeting, the location, and uh, where people can register. So we are convening February 22nd through the 24th in La Crosse, Wisconsin at the La Crosse Convention Center. You can uh, register at our website, marbleseed.org, and just click on events, and it'll take you to registration. We're really excited this year, too. I mean, we started as an organization very much by farmers, and so this idea of farmer self-organizing is absolutely critical to our organization's history and, I think, our future. And so we're going to offer this year a lot of opportunities for farmers to really network and learn from each other because I think that's the value of the conference. I know that for a lot of folks, like once I keep hearing from farmers, you know, when we were farm dreaming, we needed to get to all those workshops that were more formal. But once we started farming, we just wanted to kind of meet with our friends, have really vibrant hallway conversations, and do that networking and learn from each other. And so we're providing lots of space in the conference this year for that to happen, from our exhibit hall to more um, structured, facilitated opportunities for farmers to share information with each other. So we're really excited about that, too. Lori, what else happens at this conference aside from the learning uh, aspect? Is there any um, business that gets done, any policy coordination that happens? Absolutely, because we our conference is kind of unique in that it's all production methods. And so we have a lot of cross-cutting content that would be uh, useful to any any production method, from a dairy farmer to a broad acre farmer to somebody who's doing specialty crops or fruit growing. So we try to have something for everyone there in terms of production, but then also what are those issues around farm viability, farmer wellness, some of the policy things that you mentioned, all of those are also at the conference. Um, in the exhibit hall, we have lots of folks that can, you know, from folks that can give information on office hours around financial issues, organic certification. I mean, farmers can find lots of resources. USDA is typically there. Our State Department of Agriculture is there. So farmers can get that kind of one-on-one um, information as well through our exhibit hall and our office hours. So there's that available. And then this year is kind of interesting. You know, we went into planning the conference where we were in the midst of a farm bill year, assuming we'd have a farm bill in the fall. So we just, it was really tricky to try and figure out how much policy we were going to need to have. But of course, now that farm bill process has become more of a marathon than a sprint. And we're still very much in the thick of having those conversations about what is in the next farm bill. So folks will be there from National Organic Coalition, the Organic Farmers Association, um, folks that kind of advocate with and for farmers. And we do some of that work as well. So that's definitely going to be part of the conference. What's your favorite part about the Organic Farming Conference, Lori? What what do you hope to get out of it this year? First of all, I think just the energy in the building, it's like the building vibrates. And I think we're seeing a lot 
of what is going to be the next generation of organic farmers, and that is super exciting. You know, everywhere you hear about how farmers across production uh, methods are aging, so we we tend to try to figure out, like, how do we get the next generation of farmers on the land? And they're at the conference. We've got those older farmers. They're thinking about land transition, thinking about how their land will be stewarded in the future organically. And then we've got these young farmers full of energy and ready to kind of take this on, super excited about our food system, excited about thinking about how to make our food system more just and fair for farm workers and landowners and eaters and across the span. So I feel like part of it is just being in that building and feeling that energy because it does. It just feels like it's vibrating sometimes. And then there's always great content and things that you can learn and then have the opportunity to have conversations with those folks that are presenting information. And again, Marvel Seed is celebrating 35 years of getting together for the Organic Farming Conference. Lori, walk us through some of the highlights of this anniversary year and maybe what's coming down the pipeline that Marble Seed is especially looking forward to as they hopefully continue for another 35 years. We have a program that's part of the National Organic Program's Transition to Organic Partnership. And we are one of the workshops on Thursday. It's free to farmers that are interested in transitioning to organic for folks that are considering organic. This is an amazing time right now in the history of organic to make that transition. There's a lot of support from our organization, from other organizations across the country, and enabling farmers to kind of fund that transition because we know it's hard. There's funding for mentorship, technical assistance, and all that that we're part of. And then there's also funding for the farmers that are making the transition. And again, the Marble Seed Conference coming up in La Crosse. You know, I was listening to that, Jill. I was paying attention when she said 1,800 people. And just goes back to consolidation in agriculture. We talked about the census of agriculture. Fewer farmers out there. And that does affect the organics as well. Because I remember over the years, that conference has been two as many as 3,000 people at that conference in La Crosse. Now she's talking about 1,800. I think it's just an indication that across the board, we are seeing a consolidation in all types of agriculture. So again, but it's still a very good conference and a lot of interesting things going on. And let's get an update on the markets. Premier Livestock is where we go over along Highway 73 in the uh, Withy Greenwood country. Rocky joins us. Before we do that, though, Rocky, how white is it in beautiful downtown Lublin? I'd say we got about, uh, it's pretty white out here, but got about uh, two inches out. All right, that's, we got about that two, three inches around here, too, so it won't slow you down, that's for sure. You'll be uh, running around looking at cattle, and if you're going to look at them at the sale barn, how they've been selling. Those calves still out of this world? Still crazy high, crazy high. Boy, yep. catch us up. All right, thank you, Bob. Uh, good morning, everyone. This uh, Yesterday's dairy cattle auction shaped up. We sold 242 head of dairy cattle. Uh, we had two uh, complete tie stall herd quality. Maybe wasn't quite as good overall as we've had the last couple weeks. 
the top uh, Holstein fresh cows were 21 to 2,700. Uh, we had uh, most of the loads of fresh cows. The top loads were averaging in that 2 to 2,600. Uh, like I say, one good load of two-year-olds did average 26. Uh, we also had a fancy load of fresh Jersey two-year-olds. Uh, they average 24.27 on that load. Matter of fact, that dairy's going to have another load next week. Uh, like I said, the Jersey's topping out also at 2,700, right, with the Holsteins. Many other cows from 1750 to 2,075, a little more average, common, and blemished cows, uh, 725 and down. Uh, top Holstein springing heifers from 1,800 all the way up to 2,600, and we sold the Jersey springing heifers up to 1,850. Uh, we'll have a big dairy cattle auction next week on Wednesday. We do have a complete herd dispersal of 100 Holstein Parlor Freestall cows. There's about 25 springers in that herd. Uh, we also have a Jersey herd, very nice Jersey herd. Uh, like I said, that other dairy will have a load of them fancy uh fresh heifers again, uh, plus many other loads of reputation fresh cows. A couple deals out of two of the best herds, out of the best herds in the state of Minnesota for next week. Uh, so make sure you go to the website, check that out. Also next Tuesday, that's our special feeder cattle and bred beef cow auction, full listing of upcoming auctions, advanced consignments, and detailed market reports at premierlivestockandauctions.com. Questions, give us a call here at 715-229-2500. Uh, uh, mention it every day, every week here, guys, but machinery auctions coming up March 15th. Looks like it's going to be a big sale. Uh, just make sure you get those consignments in real soon. Uh, if you want to be included in the advertising, get your items pictured for online bidding. Um, deadline is coming up soon, so we're taking in equipment six days a week. So that's how things are shaping up, Bob. Oh, busy man, Rocky. Enjoy it. and. Uh... You shovel the driveway, or you get the kids out there to do that now they're getting older? I'll tell you what, I think this driveway's just going to sit. We don't have that much <laughs> snow. We're going to drive right through it. Let there her you go. go. Let her melt. By next week, it's going to be in the 40s. Have a good one. You bet. Thanks. There he goes. That's Rocky Olson over there at Premier Livestock in with the well we've always got news because the plow boys in dunn county take care of our news reader news gatherer news made i don't know what you what do you call news person how's that what's that <laughs> you're like every other woman nobody ever pays attention to me oh come on now japer no how was the road coming in from uh, your part of the country over in dunn county oh just what you would expect back roads are a little dicey once we hit uh, 25 in menominee it got better and then They've done a real good job cleaning up. Uh, Yeah, plows were out yesterday getting ready for it and brining. And then this morning we did uh, have a couple of plow drivers that were out and about. So salutes and thanks for making those interstates pretty passable today. Yeah, and then let them finish the rest of their work. Mm -hmm. Well, you've got a smile on your face, but you always do. But uh, it looks a little bigger, so Valentine's Day must have been fun. You know, we didn't have too bad of a one. We kind of make it about Siggy and the dogs got yeah. some special treats, Alex included. Uh, <laughs> Alex got a special. We won't go there. We made spaghetti. We're not going there. No, oh, we made you? spaghetti. Oh. That's a favorite in the house. So, so. What, with meatballs or? Yeah, we had uh, just regular meat sauce. Siggy likes it as simple as you can get. Oh, got spaghetti, man. got some garlic bread That's on the side. That's one of my favorite all-time meals is Siggy spaghetti. Siggy too, and, yeah. Oh, boy. So she gets home from basketball practice all sweaty and hungry, yep, yep. and there goes the spaghetti. Oh, boy, that's a girl after my own heart. 
Well, what else is going on? Well, good morning. We're going to start with headlines that keep us pretty close to our area, and that includes lawmakers now taking steps. We'll look at efforts at the lawmaker level, $15 million, and what it could mean for our services here when it comes to health care. As it was the State Assembly and State Senate that held hearings yesterday on $15 million that lawmakers want to send to Eau Claire and Chippewa Falls once HSHSM Prevea closed doors in April. A familiar name, State Senator Jesse James of Altoona, says the closings will mean the law loss of over 100 hospital beds, 28 ICU beds, and all of Prevea's urgent care clinics. Now, that $15 million was originally earmarked for HSHS hospitals in Eau Claire and Chippewa Falls, but obviously that changing now, focusing on a reallocation to other health care providers once those hospitals are closed. As we look to other headlines in the state, there are a uh, person of interest in custody in a suspicious death in the Fond du Lac area. Police say 33-year-old Ashley Callow of West Bend died in a car crash Tuesday, but police have now labeled that suspicious. Last night, the police updated with an arrest of an unnamed 20-year-old woman in connection to the case. No one's saying if she knew Callow or just why she's being arrested, but now that death is being called suspicious. And we go to Chippewa Falls, where there's a new face behind the badge, but not a new name. You probably recognize, as uh, Ryan Douglas was sworn in yesterday as Chippewa Falls' new police chief, taking his oath of office, replacing Matt Kelm, who announced his plans to leave last fall. Now, of course, Douglas has been no stranger to our area with Chippewa Falls PD since 2002, said his goals are to build better relationships with the community and get officers more training. And maybe you have time for just a quick pop into the toaster for breakfast. If you You've had Pop-Tarts growing up. Well, that's a sad day for the creator of Pop-Tarts as he did pass away. Tammy, tell us more. You boys new around here? Yeah, I've had W Pop-Tart. And I'm Orange Crush Pop-Tart. Well then, two big swigs on me. She was really cool. <laughs> Can't hold your soda, boys. Crazy good. William Post died at the age of 96. Post worked as a plant manager for a Michigan-based regional bakery that later became Keebler. Kellogg's asked the company in the early 60s to create a new breakfast product. Now is Post the time originally called to the get product a Ford built scones, for you, by you. Caller, to jump on the pop art trend that was growing in popularity in the 1960s. I'm Tammy Trujillo. And just a heads up, too, those kids going to have some extra Pop-Tarts this morning because there are going to be some delays coming in. Uh, Boyceville is going to be two hours late just getting that delay. And then also wanted to let you know that if you happen to be in the Gilmanton area, Mondovi, or Westby, you're also going to be delayed two hours. And I'm expecting maybe some more of that as they get out and see those back roads. And a lot of the rural areas might push that start date back just a little bit longer. We'll keep you updated online, which you can always find at uh, wax.com. We send you back to the barn now. Better get a bigger shovel and not just for the snow. <laughs> With Bob Bosold, Jill Welke, and your Midwest Farm Report. On- what did he invent the... The Pop-Tart? Pop-Tart. Yeah. My mind's going crazy. It reminds me of something that's iconic. It's always been around. It's kind of like the Post-it notes we kind of take for granted. Mm -hmm. But, you know, simple inventions like that that have been, you know... Well, a lot of people have them in their kitchen. You don't even oh, think yeah. about it. It's just growing up. And in fact, when we were growing up, we had Pop-Tarts. But for some reason that nobody knows, lore and legend in the in the McCarthy household, we always called them snoots. Really? I think my sister couldn't say it when she was little. So she, for whatever reason, she, she started Pop-Tarts? She, couldn't, she started calling them <laughs> snoots. So to this well, day, if we're in the grocery store, we say, get some snoots. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it works. And in a pinch, I can tell you, if you're crunched for time in the morning, it's a great way yep. for kids to make their well, own it breakfast. It is. Well, go have a snoot. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> you got it. There goes Morgan McCarthy in the newsroom this morning. Time to take a look at some of the numbers from the Census of Agriculture, Jill. Well, there aren't as many farms in this country 
or as many acres in production compared to five years ago. According to the last just released 2022 Census of Agriculture, it shows for the first time in American history, we have fewer than 2 million farms as we are now down to 1.9 million producing farms. We've lost almost 142,000 farms in the past five years. And since the 2007 census, we have lost more than 304,000 farms. Farm makers have also taken the hit from the last census. Since 2017, we've lost about 20 million acres of cropland as we have fallen to just over 880 million acres in production. The size of the average American farm is now 463 acres, up 22 since the 2017 census. In reaction to the census, Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack said, America, especially our rural communities, cannot afford the, this trajectory towards larger but fewer farms. And here in Wisconsin, the census shows we now have 58,521 farms. That's down 6,272 from the 2017 census. The average size of a Wisconsin farm is now 236 acres, down 15 acres from five years ago. And the total land in farms is down over 533,000 acres to 13,784,678 acres, with actual crop acres down over 500,000 acres to 9,572,000 acres. Most farms in the state now range from 10 to 499 acres with about 2,750 farms averaging over 1,000 acres. With all our farm production added up, the value of the products produced here in Wisconsin farms in 2022 reached $16.7 billion, up about $5.5 billion from the 2017 17 census. During the past five years, state farmers have also seen their input costs to grow and produce their products go up over $3 billion, reaching $12.8 billion in 2022. That's a lot of money. And uh, tell us about the story that uh, Jerry Fitzgerald mentioned uh, yesterday to us, and we followed up on that. Well, consolidation in agriculture over the past few years hasn't just happened on the farms. It's also affected agribusiness with many mergers and acquisitions. With that comes change and belt tightening. An example of that is the recent announcement from Oxbow, the Dutch company in North American, with the North American headquarters in New York that bought out H&S Manufacturing that was last July in Marshfield that will close their Clintonville production facility later this year. They plan to move all such operations to the Marshfield plant by early 2025. Last year, Oxbow completed a 38,000-foot assembly building in Marshfield that includes multiple assembly lines with supplemental automation capabilities. Oxbow officials say they are working to retain as many employees as possible. All right, consolidation in agriculture, agribusiness included. It's time to get to our markets. We're going to head to Barron Equity and hear from Al. Your choice, 
beef steers and heifers today from 145 to 165 with your high yielding choice Holstein steers from 134 to 158. 20% of our kill cows today from 107 to 117, we topped out at 123.50, with 60% going from 70 to 106.50, and 20% 50 and down. Cow bulls today from 105 to 118. Uh, just a reminder that uh, March 16th will be our first small animal sheep and goats. So please give me a call at the market if you have something coming in. Uh, that number is 608. 4775825. Thank you and have a nice day. Let's head south to Sparta Equity and hear from Hot Eman on the Fed Council and steady to stronger today. With the high yielding choice beef steers and heifers 178 to 186. Choice and select beef steers and heifers 167 to 177. Beef and dairy cross steers 160 to 175. High yielding choice Holstein steers 156 to 162. Choice and select Holstein steers 145 to 155 with unfinished steers. Heifers and heavy steers a dollar to $1.44. Cow market steady. Coy beef slaughter cows up to $1.25. High yielding slaughter dairy cows $1 to $1.15. Cutters utilities $59 to $99. With a low yielding in canner cows $0.58 cents and down. Bull market steady. Most bulls bringing $103 to $118 with a thin full and bulls over $2,200 pounds discounted at $1 to and down. Just a reminder, our next sale will be Friday, February 15th for our special dairy cattle sale with dairy cattle starting at 12 noon followed by feeders at 12.30. This is Hot Eamon at Equity Livestock in Sparta with this marketing update and we thank you for your business. Well, let's see what happened over at Stratford Equity. Yesterday, Jerry Fitzgerald is with us. Morning, Jerry. Kind of white over in your part of the country? Uh, good morning to you, Bob. Yeah, it is. Uh, looks actually looks kind of nice. So, folks, but do drive careful. We didn't, yeah. don't have a lot of snow here. I would say two inches probably would cover it, but uh, I think the story in the weather is declining temperatures and when i got up earlier this morning was at 34 we've uh, slid down to 28 already yeah and also we got to add the uh jerry fitzgerald part of that forecast too yeah the the wind yeah it's gonna get windy <laughs> <laughs> let's get windy right now what's going on over there this week at stratford all right bob thank you and uh Good morning, everyone. A summary from yesterday, Wednesday, here at Equity Stratford. We'll start with the feeder cattle sale yesterday. Uh, continued good demand on these feeder cattle. Lighterweight beef steers yesterday, selling mostly from two ten to three dollars per pound. Your heavier beef steers are pretty much from one fifty up to two forty. Lightweight beef heifers one ninety five to two ninety, and your heavier beef heifers from one fifty to two thirty five. Holsteins, about always to the Holsteins, are selling between one forty up to two dollars on these lighterweight Holsteins. Now we will get to the market auction yesterday, fully. Steady, good, strong cow market yesterday. High yielding, fleshy Holstein cows. Uh, they were selling from ninety-eight uh, to a dollar nineteen, and we did top at one twenty-four, all the way up to one twenty-four on these fancy high yielding beef cows. Most of the cows we sold yesterday sold between seventy-five and ninety-seven. Thinner cows, plainer cows, below seventy-five. On the fed cattle trade, uh, choice grading beef steers yesterday. Uh, they were selling mostly from one fifty-five to one seventy. Choice grading Holstein steers uh, mostly from one thirty-eight to one fifty-two. High yielding choice strictly. Prime Holsteins from 152 to 162. Uh, select grading cattle 135 and below. On the bull market, uh, high yielding bulls, uh, they are selling from uh, 112 to 120. Lighter weight bulls, uh, 104 and below. Calf market continues to be very strong. Good quality replacement Holstein bull calves. Uh, yesterday's auction selling from 350 to 600. Uh, good quality replacement Holstein heifer calves, mostly from 100 to 200. Beef calves also very strong, 400 up to a top yesterday at 840. 
And we are at uh, Thursday already. Our auction does start this morning at 11, full marketing day, of course, here with the uh, Market Cal and Baby Cas. So uh, uh, just remind our next day auction will be next Tuesday, and our next feeder cattle sale will be next Wednesday. So if folks got cattle to consign, let us know. 687-4101 is our phone number. Oh, Bob, I better let you go here. It's four minutes to the hour. You have a nice day, and, um, well... Don't hurt your back shoveling snow. No, I'll do my best, that's for sure. Just a recreational shoveling is what we call this little bit of an amount. Have a good one, Jerry. We'll talk to you in the morning. Jerry Fitzgerald over at Stratford. Thrust of our markets. Board of Trade was lower yesterday. And uh, good weather in South America really affects that market. March corn overnight down a fraction at 423. The oats at 382. Wheat down a nickel overnight at 580. And the soybeans down three at 1167. With meal up 20 cents a ton at $343.50 at the country elevators today. In loyal corns at 368 with soybeans at 1083. Arcadia corns at 386 with soybeans at 1089. Chippewa Falls corns at 360 with soybeans at 1095. And Connorsville corn 360, soybeans 1091. And again, no $4 corn at the elevators. Arcadia. That's Golden Plump, 388 a bushel today. Baldwin, corn 362, beans 1088 at Durand and Fall Creek, 357 on the corn, 1078 on the beans. Mondovi, 362 and 1083. Corn at Elmwood, 367, beans at 1088. Osseo, 372 for corn, 1088 on the beans. On an elk mound, corn caches at 367, beans 1093. Sparta, 366. And 1079, Ellsworth 354 on their corn, 1078 on the beans at the ethanol plants. Boysfield corn is 378 today at Stanley and the New Richmond Grain Facility, 379. Barrel cheese fell two and a half, 157 and a half. Blocks fell seven cents, 151 and a half yesterday. The butter up a half a cent at 271 and three quarters. February, their class three price went down three at 1616. March went down 41, 1702. April down 37 at 17.30. May 26 cents lower, 17.66. June down 15 at 18.07. The snow is done. Let the plows do their work. A couple of chilly days, and then it's February. And it's warming back up. How often have we said that over the years? You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report. Available at WaxRadio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed and Montovi. On-demand content at WaxRadio.com.